to another episode of A Conversation with Jenna. If this is your first time here, hey, I'm Jenna, and I'm so glad that you're joining me for today. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about love, but not just any kind of love. We're going to be talking about self-love, which, in my opinion, is the most important type of love. A little disclaimer that you will hear in every episode is this. What I'm about to share with you are my personal thoughts, opinions, and experiences. I am not an expert, nor will everything that I say be factual. Please, do your own research and think for yourself. As always, my hope is that my life experiences can help you in your life. So sit back and soak in the goodness. Let's jam. my self-love journey and why I think self-love is so important, I wanted to give a little life update. So a few episodes back, I talked about how I turned 34 and I was talking about gift giving and I was talking about how I received some gifts and I was just like, what the heck? Why did I get this stuff? Well, I just want to update you and say that the gift giving was redeemed at Christmas time. And I'm not saying this to like brag or anything, but it really makes a huge difference, at least to me, when people like buy gifts off of your list or like pay attention to when you said something and then they get you whatever it is that you said, because that's how Christmas was for me. And I wasn't expecting like anything. I had asked my mom, I was like, hey, are we going to get each other gifts? And she was like, sure. So I was like, okay. So I sent her two things that I wanted and they were both like high dollar things. And so my expectation was she's probably going to get me one of the things, but like maybe none of the things, right? There was just no, I really just no expectations. So I see that she gets me the Uh, there's a perfume that I really love and it's um, a Chanel perfume. And so it's a little bit more expensive. And I see that she comes back with like one day she comes home and she has a Chanel bag. And so I know that she got me the perfume and I was like, oh, great. Like this is something I really need because I'm almost out. And so I have a tree in my room. And so she just put the Chanel bag um, under the tree in my room. And then She like a couple days later, she wraps up two other gifts and she puts them in my room. And I asked her, I said, hey, are these gifts for me? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. Like I wasn't expecting anything else because she had already spent a lot of money on the Chanel perfume. And so Christmas time comes. We're opening gifts. And I start with the Chanel bag because I already know that it's the perfume. And like she didn't get me just the one ounce perfume. She got me the, or it's 1.7 ounces. No, no. She got me the 3.4 ounce. Like, do you know how expensive that is? That's very expensive. So first of all, I was shocked that she even went up to like the um, higher ounces and didn't even go with the 1.7, but the 3.4 is so expensive. And I was just like, mom, you didn't have to do this. Like, this is too much. Like, this is too much. I I didn't even ask for this many ounces. I just asked for like the normal, the 1.7 ounce. And she's like, no, it's fine. So then I like go to open my other gifts. And one of the gifts I opened and I was like, oh, why did she get me this? But then she was like, you know, you're always complaining that you're cold. Like what she got me was like, it's called a handy heater. And it's like a little heater that you put around your neck and it's supposed to be like hands free. 
And recently, the dance studio that I teach at, we're moving locations. And I really could have used that when, like, we were moving the studio. So as soon as she said, you know, it's, like, to keep you warm because you're always cold, I was like, oh, yeah, like, this is sick. Like, I could definitely use this when I'm outside and it's cold. So I love that. And it's, like, a kind of, like, a probably an ass seen on TV thing, right? Great. I loved it. Then there was one other gift and I opened it. It was wrapped in a, or it was in like a Dillard's box and the box was like really taped. And I just thought, oh, this is probably a box that she just had around the house and she just put the gift in it. So we like struggled to open the box. We finally open it up and all of a sudden inside, inside I see a blue rectangular box and I freak out because she also got me the Birkenstocks that I wanted. And I was just like, what? I just feel like I was so spoiled and so blown away and so thankful. And it was so unexpected. And like, that's what I love. I love being surprised. I love that it was like everything I asked for. And Birkenstocks are very, very expensive. And I didn't think that she was going to give me the Birkenstocks because she had already gotten me the Chanel perfume, which was very expensive. And the Birkenstocks that I wanted were sold out. So I really wanted the gray pair. They're called Stone Oil and I wanted the suede ones and I wanted the Boston style. So the Boston style, it's like, it looks like a clog, right? But it's more flat. It doesn't have like a heel or anything. And I just was so shocked and I'm just so grateful and so thankful. And I just felt like, ah, my birthday was redeemed. This was so good and so awesome. But then, so I'm already feeling spoiled. I'm already feeling so grateful and like so thankful so thankful. And I told, I was like, mom, you have to take these back. I just was like, I can't accept both of these things. Like that was a lot of money that you just spent on me. That was totally unexpected and unnecessary. And here's the thing, like I, the perfume I love, but like Birkenstocks, like if I could have found a dupe, I would have asked for the dupe. I don't need the name brand stuff. It That's not that big of a deal to me, but I couldn't find a dupe. I found a dupe in like a taupe color that I actually ended up getting for my getting for myself with the um, gift card that I got for my birthday from Amazon. And I found a dupe pair. Well, they're like the White Mountain brand, which is actually like a real brand, um, which like all brands are like a real brand, but they're actually like a real shoe company. Okay. And so I bought myself the tote pair because I had a gift card and they were a really good price on Amazon. And I was like, wow, like this is so good. This, they're not the gray, but they're taupe. And I think I only spent $12 of my own money. I was like, okay, I'm just going to get these. And then I showed my mom, oh, look, I got these taupe ones. And she told me that when she saw that I had bought the taupe one, she was like, oh, great. But see, I didn't expect that she was going to get me the perfume and the Birkenstocks. So I would have taken a dope pair. I, uh, a dope. Yes, I think they're dope. But I would have taken a dupe pair. I just couldn't find. I just couldn't find them in a dupe. So, so, so lucky and so grateful. But I also want to tell you, um, so... The Saturday before Christmas, I was at a Christmas party and we did a white elephant gift exchange. White elephant gift exchanges like can be really fun. Like I'm sure that there is a lot of people listening who love to do those. And it just like is such fun camaraderie and laughter and like you get to joke around. It's just so fun. So at this white elephant Christmas party, someone opened a gift and it was a weighted blanket. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to steal that. So then my turn came, my turn came around and I stole the weighted blanket and it was like 
the heaviest blanket I've ever felt and it was a really beautiful dark gray and it was like a quilted style. It was so nice. Then the host of the party, he actually went first. And so at the end, he got to look at everybody's gift. And as long as the gift was still active, like he could steal what he wanted. And he stole the weighted blanket from me. And I was like, what? Oh, and he was just loving the weighted blanket. And it was just really funny because I really wanted that blanket, but he stole it from me. So anyways, I was telling my brother and sister-in-law about the situation with the weighted blanket. So Christmas comes. And my sister-in-law says, wait, Jenna, like, don't come with me to the car because I don't want you to see what your gift is. Like, you'll be able to tell right away what it is. And so I was like, oh, okay, I won't come. So they bring the presents and whatever. I'm not paying attention. We're handing out gifts. And again, I'm not expecting anything from them. And because I decided not to give gifts, that's another update. I decided not to give gifts. I got, I gave gifts to my mom, but I didn't give gifts to anybody else because I just can't afford it. Like I really am trying to, I'm trying to save to buy a house and I'm trying to save to go on vacation. Like those are two things that I really want to do for myself. So I just don't have the money to just like be generous with others. And so I wasn't expecting my brother and sister-in-law to get me anything because I wasn't getting them something. And, and, but they ended up getting me something. And so my sister-in-law like brings it around the couch and I automatically see what it is. And they got me a weighted comforter. And it was just like, what? I just couldn't believe that. First of all, that they listened, that they paid attention and that they were willing to get me something, even though I wasn't getting them anything. And that's happened like the last few years too, because I haven't bought gifts for the last few years just because of finances. And it's just like when people are really generous with you and it's completely unexpected, like that's what brings so much joy to my life. I just, I'm so thankful and grateful for my mom and my brother and sister-in-law. And then I got like a Starbucks gift card and like just people really blew me away with how generous they were and how thoughtful they were. And so I just wanted to give a little update of that. Thank you, everybody. I love the unexpected gifts, but it's like they actually heard what I said. They they heard my story about the weighted blanket and how it was stolen from me. And and uh, my sister in sister-in-law was like, yeah, I saw it in the store. There was a 16 pound one and there was a 24 pound one and they ended up getting me the 16 pound one. And I sleep with it at nighttime and I just feel like I just love like the feeling of being tucked in and like being held and it just like brings me so much comfort and joy and peace. And it's just like the small things. I know that it wasn't cheap, but it's just something that is so special and like so intimate because they heard what I said and they listened. So thank you. Thank you for making Christmas very special. Wanted to give, aww. See, and like, I just love people in my life. So I just got a text from my mom that said my next door neighbor is bringing me coffee. And like, that's like, it's like when people do like those little generous things for me. So my, my next door neighbor, so I live with my mom. So her next door neighbor and I like we've connected over coffee drinking. My mom is a coffee drinker. I'm a coffee drinker. And so my my neighbor has just like randomly been randomly been bringing me over coffee and like I was really hoping that she'd bring me over coffee today because it's raining today and it's just like such a coffee day and then as I'm recording I just saw a text from my mom on my computer that said uh, my neighbor is bringing you over coffee and it's just like these are the moments in life that are like worth living for I'm just so grateful and thankful so I'm gonna grab my coffee I'll be right back okay I'm back and have my coffee and there's just something like 
because my mom isn't a coffee drinker and like she doesn't like to have a lot of like electronics out on the counter in the kitchen I don't have a coffee pot so I just make instant coffee but there's something about drip coffee that it just tastes so much better than instant coffee and like I'm a sensual person so anything that can heighten my senses I'm like all for and I love the smell of coffee like if I'm walking into a room and there's fresh brewed coffee I can smell it I just want to sniff it all and then I want to drink it so like anytime that a scent is involved especially like with food like perfume fragrance whatever it might be I just love it so thank you neighbor for bringing me coffee another update that I wanted to give um is about my new job and if you've been listening to my podcast then you've listened to the um what's next my career transition episode and I am still so grateful so thankful for my job and I want to say like even though it's a quote answered prayer and it's everything that I like wished for, asked of, imagined, prayed for. It is the hardest job that I have ever, ever, ever had. And it's not hard like mentally, like it's not challenging because it's hard to figure out or understand. It's the hardest job I've ever had because it is demanding and very high volume. And the package that I took over um, was is very behind. And so since it's very behind, that's what makes it so demanding and high volume because not only am I dealing with really old things, but I'm also dealing with brand new things. And um, I have to like multiple times a week talk myself off the ledge of having a panic attack or an anxiety attack. And it's just like, I don't know, just the juxtaposition of something that is so beautiful and something that I prayed for and like it was an answered prayer but it's also the most challenging thing that I've ever had to experience in my life and I also feel like that's how marriage is gonna be and we all know like I'm trying to find a husband and so even though like I hope it happens and I hope my prayers answered and I hope I find him but I also am totally expecting that it's going to be the most hardest thing I feel like marriage and parenting have to be the hardest thing that anybody has ever experienced or done so even though like I'm so happy with my job. I, we all know the craziness of why I had to find a new job and like everything that was just kind of a dark time or whatever. It came into this like beautiful, like light and this awesome experience, but it's also the hardest thing I've ever done. And some things that help me like talk myself off the ledge is I just try to remind myself like I'm not the one that caused the backlog in my package but I'm here to clean it up and that's something that like I love a challenge so I'm glad that it's really challenging me and I'm glad that it's really busy and really high volume because if not I would be so bored and I probably would be looking for a new job but I just have to tell myself I did not cause the problem I'm here to clean up the problem and like I love my team I love that I'm fully remote I work from home I love that I don't have to spend money on gas. Like I love that the mileage on my car can stay like pretty even because I'm just not driving. And um, it just like really feels like it was meant to be. And like I'm not trying to get too spiritual here or like too emotional or in my feelings or anything. But I um, in my last job when I was a retail buyer, like. I turned that business around in seven months and it was the most difficult seven months I've ever experienced in my life. Different than the diff- different than the challenges that I'm experiencing in this job, very different. But I turned the business around in seven months and like 
I actually was rewarded for the fact that I turned that business around after I had left the company. Like, it's a pretty incredible story. Maybe I'll share it sometime. But like, so just to, I just have to remind myself that, hey, you've done this before and you can do it again. And this is not your fault. Like, you're just here to clean it up. And so that's something that I talk myself off the ledge. And I also, it's like a really awesome lesson that I'm learning because I'm just one person and I can only do so much in nine hours. And so people just have to wait. And like, it's okay that it's a little bit messy. Like I like things that are cleaned, neat and organized. I like things to like fit inside of the lines. I'm not someone who colors outside of the lines and like, yeah, I I don't like that. I like the lines to be straight and even, you know, measured out, whatever. But like with this job, that's not this job. And so I'm just having to like learn to like go with the flow more and learn to just deal with the messiness and stuff. And I just feel like that's a really good life lesson too that I'm learning that I can't be in control of everything. I have to let go of control and I just have to go with the flow. So I'm grateful for that. But I just wanted to say, yes, I'm really thankful and grateful for this job. But it's also the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. This topic of self-love is, in my opinion, the most important thing that you can teach someone. And if I could give some kind of encouragement, teach it to your children when they're young. Because if I would have learned to love myself, if I would have learned that I am worthy and that I am valuable, I wouldn't have been in that nine-year toxic relationship I would have been able to stand up and fight for myself more. My life would look completely different if I would have known that I'm worthy and valuable and if I would have known to love myself. Self-love is something that I want to teach my children young. Like as soon as they're able to comprehend what it means to self-comprehend. As soon as they're able to comprehend what it means to have self-love and to love yourself first and to put yourself first, like I will be teaching it to them. Because it is just so valuable and so important. During the 18 months where I completely isolated myself, I also went on a self-love journey. And it's interesting because Brene Brown in her book, she has a book called um, The Gift of Imperfections. And Basically, that book talks about her self-love journey, or she also calls it a spiritual awakening. And I have definitely have a story about that book, but all I could just share with you, because I do enjoy telling stories, and I just like have so many of them. But I bought that book for my sister-in-law during 2020, because she had told me that she liked Brene Brown. And I, again, during 2020, I was Christian. And so I really felt like the Lord prompted me to buy my sister-in-law the gift of imperfection. So I got it on Amazon. I had it shipped to her house. She got it. And she goes, oh, Jen, I already have this book. And I was like, okay, well, I don't really want the book. So, you know, just give it back to me and I'll return it. So we ended up just like missing each other. So I didn't get it back like right away. And then I just didn't end up returning it from Amazon. And then maybe like later on in 2020, maybe 2021, I started reading the book. And like, this is when I was, well, when I was Christian, I would say I was very legalistic, even though I didn't think I was. Looking back, I definitely was. 
And Brene Brown talks about the universe, like with a capital U in the book. And if you look at the book, that the copy that I have, I literally like scratched it out and wrote God because I was so offended that she called God the universe. Like just really dumb things, okay? And um, so then I got really mad. And so I didn't read the book. So come 2022, after I left the church, and I was looking for something to read. And after I like left my job and everything like that, I read the book and I was like, huh, interesting. I had no idea what the book was about. No idea. Like I just felt the prompting that I should buy the book for my sister-in-law. And <laughs> it was like a book. It was just so funny because a lot of her experience that she wrote in the book about her spiritual awakening or her self-love journey are things that I experienced during those 18 months. Like it almost was like I was as I was reading it, I was like, oh, yeah, that was me. Oh, yeah. Yep. I know. Oh, yeah. Yep. It was almost like I was reliving it over, but I just thought that that was like a really funny coincidence. So the book is like pretty decent, but she she is not talking about her spiritual waking from like a spiritual standpoint. It's definitely like a logical and like a reasoning standpoint, which I also enjoyed that because I feel like I've all I've read books about the more spiritual side of a self-love journey and the spiritual awakening. And this was the first time I read it from like a logical reasoning, like fact standpoint. And you guys know who Brene Brown is, right? She, I haven't seen the, her TED talk, but she has like a TED talk that's really popular where she talks about shame. But anyways, I just thought that that was a funny coincidence. Okay. So back to my 18 months of isolation. And that's really when like, Again, I was Christian at this time, so I can only talk about it from the perspective that I experienced it, and I experienced it from a Christian standpoint. So again, when I'm talking about this stuff, I'm probably going to use more spiritual terms, or I'm going to say God, because that's where I was at in my life when I experienced my self-love journey. So I, I went into isolation, and like God just started working on my heart right away. It was crazy the amount of things that had to be worked on. And, um, so a little bit about my self-love journey is like, I learned what my triggers were and one of my triggers is old people. I don't do well with people who are very needy because I'm an Enneagram type two. So I'm the helper, the giver. And so I get my self-worth and value from helping others. I'm also super responsible. And so a lot of the times if, if, (laughs) if I see that something isn't being done like fast enough or quick enough, more efficient enough, And like, I'll just take it over and be like, okay, I'll just do it because I know I can get it done. And I know that I can get it done, quote, right, or in the way that I feel it would be right. That's also, I feel like me being really responsible. That's also me helping. And so this is the time when I was still at the salon and I had a lot of like older ladies, older ladies who needed help. But here's the thing. They didn't actually need help because they could like get themselves dressed in the morning by themselves. Like, why did I feel like that I needed to help them put their coat back on? And like, yeah, people could say, well, that's just you being polite and kind. And it's like, it is. But when it's coming from a place, like from when it's coming from the wrong heart posture, I have to just step away and I have to just let them put their coat on themselves. Right? Like, it, it, I just really like, it was the hardest thing I've ever experienced in my life going through the self-love journey and like God working on my heart. But it, it was so good because he just opened my eyes to things where I was like, whoa, like I'm actually giving too much of myself in this situation. Like, whoa, they don't actually need my help. 
Like they're perfectly capable of doing it. And when you overextend and you help too much, you just be, you're just creating like codependent people. You're not allowing them to be independent. You're not, you just like everybody knows, like the one person at work, which is probably me who like does things that they're not supposed to be doing because <laughs> like my personality, you know what I mean? They just take on responsibilities that are, don't belong to them. I had to let go of that stuff. I had to start to say no. I had to start to like protect my yes and protect my no, which we also know like that's something that I was working on going into the self-love journey, but I didn't know that I was like going into a self-love journey. And that's also the thing that's like the most weird about it is I did not know what was ahead of me. Like I just decided that I wanted to work on myself and I wanted to work on saying no. And then boom, this journey happened and like, boom, I was crying every night and boom, it was like the hardest 18 months I have ever, ever, ever gone through. And so I don't have like any advice of like how to go on a self-love journey because I did not sign up for it. I did not tell myself, oh, I'm going to go on a self-love journey today. No, no, it just happened. It happened without me knowing it. I did not sign off on it. Like obviously I did when I was in the middle of it, but it just happened. Like, I can't, I can't even explain it any more than that. Like, it just happened. While I was on my self-love journey, I got introduced to this book called Boundaries. And it's by Dr. Townston and Dr. Cloud. And I'm actually going to be doing a giveaway in this episode. So look into the description and you'll find all the details of the giveaway because I'm going to be giving away this book. And... The book is like how when to say yes, how to say no, like to take back your life. And this book changed my life. I am not someone who was born with natural boundaries. I had to learn how to have boundaries. I had to learn how to say no. I had to learn how to say yes. Like I had to learn how to protect myself. And this book really helped with that. Like I can't, I have given this book away many times. I for we did like a little get to know each other in one of the friend groups that I'm in and the question was like what's one of your favorite books and that was my favorite book boundaries like it's an incredible book I do want to give like a little disclaimer though that this book is biblical based but I feel that if you take out the bible it's still just as effective still just as relevant still just as real just still like still full of so much truth and and the thing that I love the most is Dr. Townsend and Dr. Cloud are both like therapists and they give like real life experiences of things that they've done with their patients, but obviously they change the name. But that's what I love the most is like they give examples. Like one of the examples was, I think it's like one of the very first examples that you get, like that you read when you read the book. It's like there's a wife and a husband and they have children and the husband works really late and the wife has asked the husband, now I'm like paraphrasing here, this could be completely wrong, but it's something like this where the wife has asked the husband to like come home for dinner so like they can eat dinner together as a family and he really just kept putting it off and so finally she just like fixed him a plate and put it in the microwave and he come he came home from work and was like, what, you guys ate without me? And she was like, yeah, I asked you to come home you wouldn't come home. So we're just going to continue to live our life. And like, I feel like she did the bed, the nighttime routine. The kids were already in bed and the husband came home and was like, what the heck? And she's like, well, what the heck? Like I asked you if you could do this for us, for our family. And you kept putting it off. 
And so now there's your meal. It's in the microwave, like warm it up and you can eat dinner by yourself. And it's just like, yes, yes, yes. Like that is so life giving and so powerful. And like, I needed to hear that because like, I can also be a people pleaser. And also like (laughs) something else that I'm learning is just how to let go more. I'm learning that, and this has to do with what I'm saying, like just learning to not have so, like not trying to need to be in control so much and just like learning to let go. And that wife in that example, she let go. Like she probably was trying to please her husband. She was probably trying to like make it work, but it just got too late by the time he would get home and then the kids would be in bed late and then it would just throw the schedule off. And so finally she was like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. If you can't make us a priority, then we're just going to do life without you. And it was just beautiful. I encourage you guys to get this book. Again, enter the giveaway in the description. I would love to gift someone this book. It's going to change your life. It changed my life. I've read it multiple times. Like I said, I've given it away to multiple people. It's so good. And just like take the Bible out if that's not your thing. I still feel like it's, it, it will be so helpful. Um, another thing that I learned, there is this author and her name is Havila Cunnington and she is a Christian author, but she has like these YouTube videos and I'll try to link them in the description if I can find them. But she basically talks about like, she basically, um, she, she really talks about like setting boundaries and she really talks about like how your feelings, she gives an example of it being like a, like a train. I don't know. That's not a very good description, but I know that I found them to be really helpful. So I'll put them in the description if I can. But one thing that she really helped me to understand is the concept of my yard. So I have my yard. What's in my yard, I'm responsible for. What's not in my yard, I'm not responsible for because my personality is I'll take, I'll put everybody's responsibility on my back and I'll charge forward. And then people are just like, oh, okay. So then they keep dropping their responsibilities on me. And then I get overwhelmed because I don't know how to say no. Like anybody else out there like that? Yeah, I know I'm not the only one. So in my room, I actually have like a couple signs that I made myself. And one of them says, how other people feel about me is not in my yard. How other people think of me is not in my yard. Jenna does not have the power to control people, only herself. I cannot make someone like me. Also, when I confront or set boundaries with someone, I do not have the power to control their reactions or feelings. I cannot make someone do something. And I have to like read that mantra every day because my personality thinks, oh, I can just charm you enough that then you'll like me. Or my personality, and I've learned a lot of this from the Enneagram, which I'll talk about later, but, or I've also learned like, um, I'm responsible for how you feel, or I must have done something to make you mad, or I must have done something to make you happy, or I'm the cause of your joy, I'm the cause of your sadness, and it's like, no, that's not true. Like, it is true that I could have possibly done something to make you upset, but you have to own those feelings. It is not my, like, fault that you are then upset or that you got offended over something I said. Like you need to take responsibility. Your feelings, your actions, your thoughts are in your yard. My feelings, my thoughts, my actions are in my yard. And so just learning the concept of the yard, learning what is mine 
and learning what is someone else is has been so helpful. Um, going to the Enneagram. The Enneagram has been something that is very useful. And like, let's, let's all know, like, I'm an Enneagram type two, but I don't fit into the Enneagram type two box. Like, there's other numbers that I'm like, oh, like, that's also me or oh, I'm this number two. Like, and so when you're doing the Enneagram, I suggest that everybody takes the Enneagram test and that you like educate yourself in the Enneagram because the Enneagram is something that also helped transform my life in those 18 months when I was on my self-love journey. Um, but a mantra that I have taken away from learning about the Enneagram too is right next to my sign that I have talking about the yards. I also have a little sign that says, I want to take care of myself and put my needs first. Then I can try within certain limits to help others with their needs. Again, being the helper and as being an Enneagram too, I will put my wants and desires down to the side to help someone meet theirs. Or I'll put what I want down to be able to satisfy what someone else wants. It's like, yes, we should lay our life down for one another, but I can't lay my life down so much that then I just get forgotten about. But I also have had to learn that I have to speak up and I have to express what my wants and my needs are because how else is someone else going to know what my wants and needs are? But that's another thing is like if you have an Enneagram 2 in your life or if you have someone in your life who sounds like me, when they express themselves, listen. Listen. When they express themselves, do what it is that they're asking. Like, listen. It is, And that's like why, like, when people do things, when people like my brother and sister-in-law, they heard the story about the way to blanket and then they got me the way to blanket. I, it, it's just like, oh my gosh, you actually heard me? You were actually listening? Like it just makes you feel so seen and so heard. And as an Enneagram too, like we lay down our lives for everybody. And it really can feel sometimes that like no one lays down their life for us. And so when you listen to us, or when you get us the gift that we asked for, it just like brings so much joy. And it's like, oh my gosh, you really do love me. So another thing that I have on my wall that has to do with me learning about me being an Enneagram too, is I have another thing, another poster, or it says it's on the same piece of paper, but right underneath uh, the one that I just said, it says, what is mine to do and what is not mine to do? Again, where I can take on other people's responsibilities. I really have to teach myself, okay, again, what's in my yard? What is mine to do and what is someone else's to do? Because we don't want to teach people to be codependent on us or to be dependent on us. We want to teach people to be independent. So I can only help so much. And like, I just feel grateful that I went through this self-love journey being single and like having no children Because could you imagine the monsters that I could have created or that I might still create? Like just doing everything for them. Picking up after them, making their bed, cooking for them, cleaning for them. Like I would just take on all the responsibilities and like carry that burden. And then I would get so frustrated or probably explode. Like, why are you guys not doing your fair share around here? And they're going to be like, well, because you just do it. So the expectation is that you're just going to do it because you treat people how to treat you. Right? So take it from me, like study the Enneagram, read that boundaries book. I I don't know how, how to tell you to go on a self-love journey, but all I know is that it is so important and that it has really changed my life. 
I forgot to say in the beginning of this episode that because Valentine's Day is next week, I wanted to do something and I wanted to talk about love, but I wanted to talk about self-love because it's the most important type of love. So in honor of Valentine's Day, happy Valentine's Day, we're going to talk about love. There were so many other things that I learned on the self-love journey. Like, for example, going back to like the elderly people, um, there was a client who she's blind. This is when I was still at the salon. She's blind. And like, I didn't realize that I could say no. That's something else I really had to learn is like, wait, I have a choice in the matter. I don't just have to say yes, or I just don't have to do it because the, my predecessor did it. And so there was a client in the salon. She's blind. Her original hairstylist retired. Then she got a new hairstylist. She became sick. And so then it was offered like, hey, Jenna, do you want to take over this client? And I was like, sure. And well, because this client is blind and what her stylist, two stylists before me did is on her way to work on Thursdays, I think it was, she would go to this client's house, pick her up, bring her to the salon, do her hair, and then she would take her home. And I, I and that the stylist who retired did that, the stylist who got sick did that. So then when it was brought to me, like, do you want to do this? I was like, sure. But it's like, I also didn't realize I could say no. You know, I worked for the salon. It was the owner who asked me. I didn't know that I had a choice in the matter. So I started doing it and I had to stop doing it because I felt like she was taking advantage of my kindness. And like, that's something else I've really had to learn is like, who am I going to give my kindness to? Who am I going to give my attention to? Do they actually deserve this? Like, are they worthy of having it? And I know that that might sound so bad, but you just you just can't give your love and your heart away to anybody. No, like that's how you're going to get hurt. Like you have to set up your walls. You have to put your guard up and you have to like test their character. Hey, is this person like being real, honest and authentic with me? You know, what, what are they giving back to this relationship? Am I giving and they're not, and they're just taking. So I had to realize that she just kept taking and taking and taking. And she just was like using and abusing me. So I had to like cut the cord on that. And then, um, I was telling you guys about the man who wanted my friend to teach him dance and like how he was just so arrogant. Like if my friend wants to teach him great, but see, I've just learned through my self-love journey that people like that, they, they don't deserve my time. People like that are not worthy of my kindness. People like that, they can go find someone else who's going to deal with their BS because I'm not going to deal with it. I've dealt with it for so long and I finally realized through self-love, through my self-love journey and through loving myself that I'm not going to give my heart away. I'm not going to give my love away. I'm not going to give my kindness or my talent away to people who are arrogant, to people who think that their SHIT doesn't stink. To, to someone like that man, like I've learned that it's just not worth it. And see, I've also grew up with a poverty mentality. And so when I had to start turning away clients who had the same arrogance as that man I was telling you about, there was like some confrontation between like my head and my heart because it was like, Jenna, I really need the money. That's what my head was saying. But my heart was like, Jenna, no, like, no, like you love yourself way too much to deal with someone's BS. Like you love yourself way too much to know. And so I remember there was one client who she just kept putting her problems on me. 
Like, first of all, she was like, ugh, how are you so skinny? It's like, girl, don't be a hater. Like, she just was a hater. She was, like, uh, reflecting. She was like, I can't think of the word, like, right now. But she was putting all of the hatred that she had on herself. She was, like, projecting it onto me. You guys know people like that. You've met someone like that. Maybe in your relationship with someone like that, you need to cut it off. And so at the end of the hair appointment, this was the first time I met her. She came in. I did her hair. She was just reflecting all of her negative self-worth onto me. And I had to tell her, like, I can't do your hair. We just don't work well together. I said, I can refer you to someone else. Like I said, no, because I have boundaries. I have self-respect and I have self-love. And I'm not going to, like, give my time to someone who's not worthy of it. So think about maybe you need to take inventory of the people who are in your life. Maybe you need to cut some people off. Something else I learned while on my self-love journey was to stand up and fight for myself because no one else is going to do it for me. And I have a story about this. So when I was first in the church, okay, wait, let me start back. Let me start from the jump. So I, I have this like, or I had, maybe I still have, I would like to think I've worked through this, but I have had this chosen complex where I just wanted to be chosen. So I was rejected by my peers I was bullied like I had no friends in school like even through my senior year I mean yeah I I had I've dealt with a lot of rejection I've dealt with a lot of bullying and I just had no friends when I was in school so I was never chosen and with my ex like he put his mom and his sister before me so I was never chosen I, I just really felt like no one has ever made me a priority. I just wanted to be a priority. I just wanted to be chosen. So when I came to know Jesus and the church teaches that we're chosen by God, right? Like we're, quote, God's chosen people, which I don't believe that anymore. But I do have to say, like, I'm really grateful that I went through the experience um, with church because, like, Man, I feel like I've grown so much from it. But learning that God chooses me so I don't have to be chosen by man because, like, God is the ultimate authority and, like, like what God says matters or, like, who God is matters and, like, who I am to God is what matters. Like, the vertical relationship, not the horizontal relationship. I really learned that I don't need to be chosen anymore. And now that I'm out of the church, I've realized that what I learned about being chosen by God has now translated into me choosing myself. Like, no longer do I need to care whether God chooses me because I don't believe that anymore. But it has just transformed to, wait a minute, I choose myself. Like, I choose me. I choose Jenna. And that's what matters. So, As I was saying, like, I had the chosen complex. Then once I got to know Jesus, I realized that it doesn't matter if man doesn't choose me because God chooses me. But now I realize what ultimately matters is that I choose myself. And just learning that I choose, that me choosing myself is enough has honestly changed so much in my life. Like, I'm and it it makes you less desperate because you're no longer looking for friendships. That's what I have done. You're no longer looking for partners. That's what I've done. You're no longer looking for like that validation from others. 
which let's be honest, I think that we're all looking for validation of others. I'm never going to be perfect and I'm constantly going to be on a self-love journey and I'm always going to be evolving, right? Hopefully into like the best version of myself. Something I'm very passionate about is like personal growth. But like I have now noticed that because I'm no longer looking for that validation, I can set my boundaries and I can be more picky about who the people are that come into my life. So another lesson that I learned um, on my self-love journey was learning to speak up for myself and stand up for myself because no one's going to do it for you. And I think that that is a huge lesson for people to learn because I think a lot of us look to others to be like, well, aren't you going to fight this battle for me? And it's like, no, you got to fight it for yourself. And a story that I have regarding this is when I was in the church, I was on the welcome team and um, the church decided or the church asked me to go to another campus, like not my home church campus, but another campus to like lead the welcome team over there. And there was this guy in the welcome team. And I remember it was Easter Sunday and he was showing me like someone's like, card I don't remember what it was called it was like their welcome information card where they like filled out the information so like then they could be part of like the church email or whatever or the church mailing list and he came over to show it to me and he put his hand on my lower back as he was showing me this like welcome card and I felt so uncomfortable and I felt it was very uncalled for and like very rude because it's like how dare you touch me like that for someone to know I think it's different if like you're just gonna like touch them light like touch and let like touch and let go or like a little just like a little touch maybe to like get my attention or like something like that like that's one thing but he placed his hand on my lower back and he kept it there I felt so uncomfortable so I went to the church instead of having self-love instead of knowing my worth and value and instead of telling him in that moment hey that was unaccepted and uncalled for and it made me very uncomfortable or the next week because I'm someone who I'm probably not going to tell you how like I'm probably not going to tell you right in the moment because of my fear of confrontation although I don't mind confrontation it's just a weird juxtaposition my personality is just weird okay but I'll probably tell you like a day later like once I've thought about it, once I process it, because I'm also not someone to just like call it out right away because I want to process it to make sure that I'm in the right, to make sure like, hey, am I overthinking this? Like I'm also like a deep thinker. I'm a ponderer. I like sit on things and I think on things for a while. So anyways, like what I should have done the next time I saw this man, I should have said something to him. But instead I went to the church looking for the church to fight my battles. The church didn't fight my battles. Actually, the next time that I saw this man, he and the campus pastor high-fived each other like they were the good old boys club. The campus pastor is the first one I went to who said, hey, this happened and it made me feel very uncomfortable. He didn't do anything about it. Nothing was done about it. Like, I was looking to what I thought was going to be my place of safety, my place of security, my place of comfort, and they completely let me down. So stand up for yourself, fight for yourself. No one is going to do it. Like, no one else is going to do it for you learn, take from me, learn from my lessons. Love yourself first because your love to yourself is what is going to set the the tone and the standard for the rest of your life and for and for the way that other people are going to treat you. And that leads into setting firm boundaries. So, 
like the day that I'm recording this is December 28th. So Christmas was just a few days ago and something happened at Christmas time. Hmm. It's so funny how like something happened at Thanksgiving, you guys know, and like now something happened at Christmas. So Christmas came. It was so wonderful. I had such a great time. Like anytime there's laughter involved, like it's a good time. I love laughing. If you can make me laugh, like we good, like we're going to be friends. Okay. So I was having a great time. And then um, there was someone at the Christmas party who I had set a boundary with. And they had noticed that I did not set that boundary with other people at the Christmas party. That they were the only ones that I set that boundary with. And that made them upset. So after the Christmas party, which I thought was wonderful... Um, or after the Christmas celebration with my family, I looked at this person cause I could tell that there was something wrong. And I said, what's the, ma-? I said, are you okay? And they said, I think I will be. And I said, okay, well, do you want to talk about it? And they were like, well, the boundary that I set with this person is I felt like this person can be very demanding in their requests of me. And I do not do well being told what to do. You need to give me the option to say yes or no. And so this person I felt is very, very demanding in, like I said, very demanding. And so the boundary that I set with this person is, I need you to ask me if it would be okay if I did this for you. Or can you at least say, please, like, hey, can you please do this for me? Well, this person got upset that they have to say please to me, but these three other people that they recognized at our holiday Christmas party, I did what they asked and they didn't say please. Okay, so, okay, so I heard what this person said. I didn't respond, and I thought about it for a while, and then I started to feel guilt and shame that I had set this boundary on this person that then it it hurt them, but I have to go back to remembering when I confront or set boundaries with someone, I do not have the power to control their reaction or feelings. I cannot make someone do something. So even though this hurt that person's feeling, and this is someone who's very close to me, someone who I love very, very much, and I care very much about their relationship, I had to remember, hey, I set this boundary for a reason because I felt like you were doing something that was very uncalled for and unnecessary, and I don't do well being controlled or told what to do. I need to be asked. I need to have the choice. These other people, the three times, like this person said that they noticed three times that someone asked me to do something and they didn't say please. I can only think of one time. I didn't feel controlled by them. I felt like they gave me the choice and where I, if I wanted to say no, I could have said no. But I didn't feel like it was a demanding thing. I felt like they actually asked me. But this is going to happen. When you start to set boundaries in your life, people are not going to like it. And this one person, it has taken them a very long time to understand my boundaries and to respect my boundaries because after uh, after some more, like the next day, I brought it up to them and I just said, I'm really sorry that you feel this way. But the reason I set this boundary with you is A, B, and C. And I didn't feel like I had to set it with these other people because of A, B, and C. And this person said, well, I feel like you're bullying me. Okay, so then this person who I love very much now feels like I'm bullying them. Well, that's not the case, but I can see how this person feels that way because of our relationship in the past. 
So then I had to go back and I had to think about it. And I had to, I I really contemplated this. Like, am I in the wrong? Like I'm someone who I think about that stuff. I try not to just react right away. I try to think about my actions, my behavior. I'm very observant. I can observe and I can tell when people are feeling a certain way. Like I, 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 I can tell and then think about like what I was just telling you guys earlier is like I have the personality where I think that I can control your feelings. So like everything just came to a head and I had to like verbal process it with someone. And even though I use the app Marco Polo and like even though I haven't got their response yet, even though I was able to like talk it out with them, I I felt a lot of like I felt no, I'm still in the right Jenna. Like, even though this person has these feelings, like, I can't control how they feel. I can't take it away from them. And no matter what I say to this person, they're still going to think that I'm bullying them. That's on them. That is for them to deal with. That is for them to process. That is for them to realize that that's not the case. So I'm just telling you this, that when you set boundaries, people aren't going to like it. People are going to push back and you just have to stay firm. You have to stand firm on your boundaries. You have to stand firm. Like, it's going to be very hard very, very hard. Like when you start to take your power back and you start to take control of your life back, you start to set boundaries. You start to get, kick people out of your life. You start to bring new people in, whatever it may be, there's going to be change and there's going to be chaos because it's different than what they're used to. It's a new being that you're coming into. You're coming into a truer version of yourself. You're coming into this powerful human being who has called their power back Because you're no longer going to allow people to control you. And people aren't going to like it. And there's going to be drama. So that was my Christmas. Even though the presents that I got were awesome. Even though Christmas time, like, it was such a glorious time over at my aunt's house. Like, afterwards, I had to deal with that. And that went on for two days. And then finally, uh, uh, yesterday, I had a hard time looking at this person. Because I just knew what they were thinking and what they were feeling about me. But I also knew, like, I have to stand firm in this. And hopefully one day they'll learn to respect it. And if they don't, well, then they need to deal with those feelings and those emotions because I I cannot control how you feel. Like, this is my yard. This is what I take responsibility for. These are my boundaries. I need you to respect them. So speak up for yourself. Stand up for yourself. It will be worth it. I also want to say, like, regarding this thing about uh, setting this boundary with this particular person, like, I tried to put myself in their shoes. And I can totally see, like, where they're coming from with their feelings because (laughs) I just put myself in the shoes of like a husband and wife scenario. And I was just thinking because even like dealing with my ex in the past, like he would set boundaries with me, although I like wasn't healthy. It was very toxic in my personality and like I could care less about his boundaries or like what he wanted. It was all about me. Um, I remember he would like treat his mom and his sister a certain way, but like wouldn't treat me the same way. And I don't know if that's like a great healthy example. So I'm just going to go to another. But I know what it feels like to feel like you're being picked on or you're being bullied. I understand because I put myself in her shoe and well, now you know it's a she. I put myself in this person's shoes, but I like, um, so I just try to put it in this perspective of like a husband and wife. Like if my husband, see, but the only thing is, is the thing that I'm asking of this person or the boundary that I set is that I need you to say, please, I need to make it less, I need you to make it less demanding. Like it wasn't a bad boundary. It wasn't a negative boundary. It was a boundary where, hey, like I deserve respect. Like don't talk to me that way because I'm not going to tolerate it. 
And if they continue to talk to you that way, you just have to learn to say no. Cause that's something I had to really like fight again with myself about is like, if this person doesn't respect the boundary that I'm setting on them because I cannot control them, like that's another thing that you're going to learn that you can't control others. I just have to start saying no to what they're demanding of me then. Because eventually they're going to change because if it's like, if you want to get what you want, you have to first do what I want to get what you want. And what I want is for you to be respectful in the way that you're asking. And what you want is to do what it is. And what you want is for me to do what it is that you want. So if you want it, you got to do what I want. You know what I mean? Like, it's like positive manipulation. It's, 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 it's a quick quote pro. Like, you get something, I get something. It's, that's just how it is. And so I felt like the boundary that I had set, like, wasn't a negative boundary. I was just asking for you to be more respectful in the way that you spoke to me. So I just tried to put it in the shoes of, like, a husband-wife thing. Like, if I was the wife, I had a husband, he had, he had set a boundary with me, but then he didn't set the boundary with the other women in his life. Would I get butthurt about it? Sure. Like, I think it's very possible that I could get butthurt about it. And then when I go to talk to him about it, like the difference between me and the other woman in his white life is that I'm his wife. And there is a level of respect that should come from a wife. Just like in the relationship that I have with this other person where I set the boundary, there's a level of respect because of the relationship that we have. Like also say if it's like my husband sets a boundary with me as the wife, but he doesn't set the boundary with it be- with his mom sometimes like they're just moms and there's nothing you can do about it because moms are going to be moms are going to be moms and unless your mom has gone on a self-love journey and is like working on personal growth like your mom is just going to be your mama there's just nothing you can do and it's just not worth the fight or the argument and so I hope I don't know if I'm going to be able to use as much logic when I'm in a marriage and if this situation happens because it's probably going to happen I feel like it's a common thing um I just hope I can be understanding and be like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, I'm your wife. Like, there's a level of respect. Like, I would hope that if I wasn't saying please to my husband or if I was being demanding and the requests that I had of him, that he would put me in my place, like, really kindly. And I would be like, oh, yeah, that's right. Right? Because I've, like, done work on myself already. And, like, I – anyways, so – I understand where this person is coming from about them being hurt, but I also need them. I hope that they can understand like there's just a level of respect because of the relationship that we have compared to the relationships that I have with the three other people that this person noticed that I didn't like set the boundary of you need to say please. I'm sure that there are husband and wives out there listening and they're like, yeah, like my husband sets a boundary with me, but my mother-in-law like she can get away with robbing a bank. You know what I mean? Like, cause I feel like sometimes you just can't, you can't control others. And I feel like there is a level of respect that a wife and a husband have towards each other that, you know, the standard is higher. So yes, those are my thoughts. This is going to be like the longest episode I've ever recorded, but it's just so important. I have just so much to say about self-love. Another thing that like God really worked on my heart on during my self-love journey is things. So I used to put my worth and value in things. So I had to buy things to keep up with the Joneses. I no longer need to do that anymore. 
And like how, again, like I was Christian during this time. So I really felt like I had promptings from God. He like asked me to sell all my things. Like I had a Birkin bag. If, if you're out there and you know anything about that bag, that is a very coveted bag. That is a very, that, that is a bag that's very hard to find. And it was a pre-loved bag because you have to like be famous to like get into the Birkenstorm buy like a new one, I think, or like have a lot of money. I don't really know, but there's a wait list. That is something I know for sure. But like it was a pre-loved bag. I paid cash for it. I was, it's so funny. Like a story, a, a story that I have with that bag is like, I was saving to go to the Olympics in 2020 in Japan. It is just so funny how like that, like COVID came and just like ruined all of that. And instead of going to Olympics in 2020, and this was like in 2017 or 18. So I had like started saving like three or four years in advance because, you know, I like to pay cash for everything because I like to live a debt free life. So anyways, I was saving to pay cash to go to the Olympics and I had like a couple thousand dollars saved. And then I had this opportunity to buy a Birkin bag at like a really great price. And I was like, yeah, screw the Olympics. I'm going to buy the bag. And it's just funny how I ended up selling the bag, but I also like ended up not going to the Olympics. And then 2020 happened with COVID and the 2020 Japan Olympics. It just like was completely different than what we thought it was going to be. Anyway, so God told me to sell the Birkin bag. I got rid of almost all of my Louis Vuitton. I only have one purse, the Pochette Matisse, which... I will not get rid of that bag. I love it. And then I have another cosmetic case. All the other Louis Vuitton I got rid of. My Prada I got rid of. The Birkin I got rid of. Gucci I got rid of. I mean, I just sold it all because I really felt like he was like helping me to realize that my worth and my value is not in these things. It's not in material things. It's like what, well, at the time, it's like it was in what he said about me. But again, that's translated to what I say about myself. And what I say about myself is like, I'm worthy and valuable no matter what is in my bank account. Okay. Like I'm worthy and valuable. I I literally sleep on a cot in my room. I do not have an actual bed because you all know, I thought it was moving. So I got rid of, I got rid of my bed. And luckily my mom, she like got this cot that's like is a bench and turns into a cot. So I literally sleep on a cot. Like I have everything that I own can fit in my car. Because again, I thought I was moving, but it's again, because I just realized I don't need this stuff. This stuff does not bring me worth. This stuff does not bring me value. What brings me worth and value is what I think of myself. And that happened through a lot of forgiving. I mean, I went on a forgiveness journey. That happened with uh, getting rid of all the shame and guilt that I have found because I'm worthy. I'm worthy to have the life that I want. I'm deserving to have the life that I want. But I had to go through this journey and I had to get rid of and shed all of these things I had collected because I wanted to keep up with the Joneses. I wanted to be like that girl. So I went out and bought that bag or this is a true story there in the um, retail buying position. There were two girls in the office who I really wanted to be like and they both had Chanel glasses. Well, guess what? Your girl went out and got Chanel glasses, like glasses, not sunglasses, actual glasses, because I wanted to be like them. I dropped 600 bucks on them. Yes, I was able to pay cash and I had the extra cash. So it wasn't that big of a deal. And I still have them because I'm going to keep them forever because I love them. And I'm really grateful that I have them. But the only reason why I had them is because I thought I had to have them so I could be like them. See, because I didn't know what my worth was. I hadn't gone on a self-love journey. I bought the Louis Vuitton because I thought I needed to have Louis Vuitton so I can be like them. No, you don't. You don't, you don't, you don't. You are worthy and valuable and chosen in yourself, girl and boy. 
you don't need the things. So I got rid of the things. And now like I still like designer things. As you know, I was talking about my Chanel perfume and like, but I don't have to have them anymore. I was just telling you about the Birkenstocks. Like if I could have found a dupe, I would have gone for the dupe. I don't need the name brand stuff anymore. I don't, I don't care about it. Yes. Like, would it be nice to have it? Yes. Have I always dreamed of having a very huge closet? Yes. With like all of my stuff in there? Yes. But at the same time, it's like, if I'm not going to wear it, I'm not going to just put it on the shelf to look at it. I think that is so dumb. And I think that that's a waste of money. Like if you're going to buy something, wear it. And then when you're done with it, get rid of it. So I don't need to have the nice things anymore. If Sure. Like, do I want the nice things? Like, do I want them or do I need them? Like, I don't need them anymore. Sure. Do I want them? Sure. But like, I don't have to have them. And getting to that place where I don't have to have things because I realize things don't dictate my worth and value has been a huge game changer. Another thing is, is like, I really had to lay down my beauty. What I mean by that is like my whole life, I've been told how beautiful I am. And like, I would agree that I am very beautiful. And I don't mean to say this like in a conceited way. I'm saying it in a confident way. Um, like just yesterday, I met someone for the very first time and I told her how old I was, 34. And she goes, no way. You don't look that old. Like I would have guessed at least 24. And it's like, thank you. I really appreciate the compliment. And like my family and I have really great genes. Like this is something that this is a compliment that I, I have gone for my entire life. Um, we have beautiful eyes. We have long eyelashes. We have great skin. Like my grandmother had great skin. My mom has great skin. I have great skin. And hopefully I'll pass the great skin on to the next generations, right? It's just like a known thing in my family. The Mosers have great skin. The Mosers look young. The Mosers have the beautiful eyes. The Mosers have the beautiful long eyelashes, okay? But because I was told that my whole life and because my beauty has always been a forefront, I started to put my worth and value in my beauty, okay? And I had to lay that down. I had to lay that down at God or at Jesus's feet is what Christians would say. And I had to surrender that and I had to give that up. Because I was starting to freak out as I was, as I'm getting older, like wrinkles are coming, like your 11s, you know, the lines in between your eyebrows in the right lighting, you can see them on me. (laughs) And I'm like laughing at myself because it has to be like in the shadows. You can see just like, you know, the different lighting, like you can look like you have a six pack abs, but you really don't. It's the same thing with the 11s, like depending on what lighting I'm in, I can see them. And then I just started to get stressed out and I started to freak out. And then I started to feel like I wasn't worthy or valuable because I now have wrinkles. And I used to get um, Desport. So that's like another box, box of Tochilin. It's just the molecule is smaller. So the difference between Botox and Dysport, like Dysport, the molecule is smaller so it can penetrate deeper and like spread out further. There's also like a different price. Like in Dysport, you have to use more units, but per unit, it costs less. So with Botox, you use, you use less units, but it costs more per unit. Anyways, regardless, I had to surrender and I have decided that I'm just going to allow myself to age naturally now because I put way too much worth and value in my beauty and that's not where it belongs. It belongs in myself, in my heart and in knowing that I am still worthy and valuable, even with wrinkles. Now, do I love when my face is frozen? Yes. Do I love when my face doesn't move? 
oh yes like I think it is so beautiful and I love seeing other women whose face don't doesn't move and I'm like oh she has Botox uh her face doesn't move oh it looks so pretty but like I also don't want to look like a monster because I feel like a lot of women who like try to preserve their age they end up looking so terrible and like kind of scary and I don't want to be like that so I've decided I'm just going to surrender it all and I'm just going to like age naturally another thing that I had to lay down is being debt free so you guys know like I put a very high value on being debt free but it got to the point where I was putting my worth and value in it I had to surrender that and I had to realize like hey even if I have debt I'm still worthy and valuable and you know what's so interesting I have a little story about this I was talking with someone recently and their sister has a, a cure accumulated a lot of debt because um, she's a chiropractor. And it's so interesting. Like this is just something interesting. I, I kind of want to know what you guys think. So her sister is older and she's not married, but she just got engaged. But as she was like trying to look for a husband, she was so concerned about would any man want me because I have so much debt. Like, is anybody willing to take on this amount of debt? And she found someone who's totally fine with it. And I looked at my friend. I said, isn't that so interesting? Because I wonder if it was reversed. Like, I wonder if it was a man who was a doctor who had a lot of debt, if that would even be a concern in his mind. Like, I wonder if he just thinks, well, duh, you know, of course a woman's going to take on my debt. Like, I'm a doctor. You know what I mean? But like, because she was a woman... She was concerned that no man was going to want to marry her because of her debt. And I just thought, hmm, that's so fascinating, so interesting. But I'm really happy for her. And like, I hope it's so successful and joyful. And like, she gets everything that she wants. But I had to realize that even if I have debt, I'm still worthy and valuable. And like, these are all thoughts that I have because like, I'm trying to find a husband here too. So I'm trying to put my best foot forward and I'm trying to be like the best version of myself. But I also know I have to be authentic and real and vulnerable and transparent. And so I'm currently debt free. I try to live my life debt free. I try to pay like cash for everything. And I had to surrender that. I had to surrender. Even if I have debt, I'm still worthy and valuable. Like I'm still worthy and valuable. Again, it, it, it all comes from the inside. Like once you learn to love yourself, it doesn't matter what other people think because you know the truth. The truth is that you are worthy, wanted, loved, chosen wanted and loved okay so before I wrap this episode up I want to share with you um, what insecurity I'm trying to work through right now and it's that I have gained weight so over the summer I started having panic attacks so I got on an anti-anxiety medication and this medication, I've tried a few different ones. One I, I started uh, started taking that was kind of working, but I was really gaining a lot of weight. So then we switched to this other one that I'm taking. And I have noticed that like since the summer, I've definitely put on some LBs. And I like really loved being skinny. I loved having a tiny waist. I loved how great I looked in clothes. Like, let's just be honest, Okay. And so now when I like look at myself, I just notice that I have a little belly and it's gone to the point where I've had to get new denim, like my old jeans, they don't fit anymore. Like I bought some jeans like over spring, summertime, they no longer fit. Like my thighs have gotten larger and I have a little bit of a tummy, but I have to keep telling myself like Jenna, 
just because you've gained weight, you're still worthy and valuable. I mean, is there there anybody else out there like that? I I know that I'm not the only one. And I, I, the, I love talking about these vulnerable subjects because I don't want you to feel alone. And I want you to know that like everybody has these, everybody has these feelings and everybody has these thoughts. So the other thoughts that I have regarding this is, you know, I'm trying to find a husband. And so in my mind, I'm like trying to rationalize, is he still going to love me even though I've gained weight? And it's like, first of all, he doesn't know me any different because like whatever size he meets me at, that's the size that he's going to know. And of course, like the right one, like your husband is going to love you regardless of what you look like. So I just have to keep telling myself everything's going to be okay. And like, here's the thing is I may be a little bit heavier than normal, but I'm happy. And I would rather take happiness and have some weight gain than be in that dark place of panic and anxiety that I was a few months ago. And so I also try to rationalize the weight gain by just telling myself that like I'm happy, I'm in a better place, I'm able to function day to day. And if I'm eating a little bit more and gaining a little bit more weight, then so be it. And another thing is, is like I'm neurodivergent. Like I was diagnosed with ADD when I was in elementary school. So I've been on ADD medication my whole life. And one of the symptoms of ADD medication is like weight loss because it's a suppressed appetite. And so it's funny, like the contradiction that is happening in my brain with my methophenidate and then the anti-anxiety medicine, because one side effect of one is like weight loss. Another side effect of another is like weight gain. And so I've, I've had to like realize like how to regulate those two things because sometimes even when I take both of my medications it feels like I haven't taken my ADD medication because I'm constantly hungry like because I've been on the ADD meds for such a long time my brain can no longer regulate when I'm full that's just what happened that's just what's happened so when I don't take my ADD medication I'll just like eat all day long. I I can't tell myself to stop. Even though I feel full, my brain is not able to like connect with my stomach to say, hey, stop eating. So I'm also like dealing with that at the same time. So it's just like an interesting place that I'm in right now. But I know that I'm still worthy and valuable even in the weight gain. I'm going to wrap this up by saying that music really helped me heal during this time of my self-love journey and it really helped me to like become whole and so I'm going to in the description I'm going to create a little self-love playlist of all the songs that really helped me during my self-love journey and really helped me to forgive to let go that really helped me to heal and I hope that you find enjoyment in that I love music I talk about a lot on the podcast I rave about it It's just so healing to the soul. And like one album that helped me get through that self-love journey was Olivia Olivia Rodrigo. Like as the time I like when I was Christian, I didn't watch television and I did not listen to mainstream music. Uh, It was like Christian music only and no television because it was of the devil. You know, so dumb. But (laughs) um When I found when some girls at work or a girl at work was telling me about Olivia Rodrigo and like I started listening to her music, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And her album, I would just get into the shower with the water and I would just 
sing the the songs at the top of my lungs and I would just allow myself to cry and I felt like during that time like it was so healing because I was able like and I feel like almost every song on her album I have a story for it almost every song on her album I can say okay this song helped me get over this person this song helped me heal from this person this song helped me heal from this tragedy or situation that I went through in my life like her sour album is so good and I kind of just love that like it's nostalgic for me now and like every time I can hear it I'm like oh yeah think about where I was and now think about where I am now like I was able to overcome I was able to see the light after the darkness I was able you know the things that like God was working on my heart during the my self-love journey like I'm I overcome now I'm on the other side with those things. The self-love journey never stops. You're always going to be learning more about yourself and continuing to grow as a, and evolve as a person, like if that's what you choose. So enjoy her album and I hope you enjoy the self-love playlist that I'm going to make for you. Well, I think that that is all that I have to say about self-love and my self-love journey. So stay tuned because my R&Rs are coming up next. Okay, so you all know that I hate being told what to do. I hate being controlled. I hate being put in a box and said, you have to conform to this, this, and that. Like, that just makes me want to run away from you. I hate feeling, uh, I hate the feeling of being controlled. So, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but there's this new thing in medicine where they have now taken away ADD and everybody is clumped into the sum of ADHD. Okay, so I have ADD. I am neurodivergent. I have I was diagnosed with ADD in elementary school. I was never once diagnosed with ADHD. Only the ADD, not the hyperactive is what the H stands for. I was listening to a podcast one day and she said, well, we know like the medical community has now taken away ADD and everybody is lumped into ADHD. And when I heard that, oh my gosh, I like blew up because I was so pissed. I was so pissed. I was like, what? You're now going to tell me that I have something that I don't actually have. Okay. I just like, I got heated. Then I kept hearing it over and over and over. And there's this book that I want to read that I haven't read yet because I haven't been able to get my hands on it because I don't want to buy it. And I asked the library to purchase it for me and I don't think they've purchased it yet. But it's by uh, Dr. Amen. And he has a book titled like The Seven Types of ADD. And I'm like, see, Dr. Amen is also really popular in the world of psychiatry because he believes in doing a brain scan. I don't know if you guys know this, but the the um, psychiatry is like the only area in medicine where they don't actually look at the object first before diagnosing it. They, in psychiatry, most doctors do not do a brain scan. And then based off of the scan of your brain, do a diagnosis. They strictly do diagnosis based off of symptoms. And when I heard that, like that just blew my mind. And we, I could talk about that for hours too, because I'm just like, what? Why are they not doing brain scans? This does not make any sense. How do you know? How do you know that you're giving me a proper diagnosis? Okay, I'm just like... I could talk about that for hours, but that's not what we're talking about anyways. So I hate the fact that the medical community has taken away ADD and now lumps me in with the ADHD patients. 
And the thing that, so I recently um, got a new psychiatrist and we were going over some, she had like this huge question questionnaire that um, she needed me to fill out. And we, I do my appointments over Zoom. I love like WebEx Zoom. I love telehealth. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. I just love that I don't have to leave my house for a lot of things. Okay. Anyways, but um, during the telehealth, it was our first appointment. And, and this questionnaire was like a hundred questions. I'm telling you. And like some of the questions, some of the questions that she was asking me, she, it was like, she would give me a scenario and then she would say, okay, never, always, weekly, monthly, sometimes. And sometimes, and a lot of the questions I was like, well, my response doesn't fit into any of those because it's not sometimes and it's not always like it's kind of in the middle. And she was like, just answer the question. I was like, well, I can't answer the question because I'm trying to be truthful here so you can get a proper diagnosis, but none of your responses like match to what I'm saying. Okay. There's that too, which like really aggravates me too, that there wasn't like a fill in spot for where I could like really fill in how I feel. Now that I'm talking about this, like people probably think I'm like psychotic, but I'm not. I just like want to be truthful in my responses. Okay. So anyways, I was talking to her and she kept saying ADHD and I had to say, no, I don't have ADHD. I have ADD. And she goes, I know, but we're just now lumping it all into one. And I said, yeah, why? That really bugs me because now you're lumping me into the category of ADHD and I've never been diagnosed with ADHD. If I had ADHD, I would have been diagnosed with it, you know, all those years ago in elementary school when I was first diagnosed. And she was like, well, the reason why they decided to clump everybody together is because all the medication is the same. And I was like, that's not a good enough reason. It really bugs me that the medical community The medical community has taken away my autonomy, has taken away what I really am diagnosed with and now lumps me in with everybody else. Like, don't try to put me in a box. That really upsets me. Anybody else out there? Like, is anybody else out there pissed? Is it just me? Like, why do you got to do that? I don't have the H. I just have the ADD. Stop lumping. Stop trying to make me conform to your way of doing and thinking and being. Allow me to fly and spread my wings and stop oh just so bothers me okay now what I want to rave about is I don't know this documentary is kind of old now so I don't know if you're gonna have a chance to watch it but um A&E they did a documentary on Playboy and I think it was called like the secrets of Playboy and When we're talking about self-love, okay, if these Playboy Playmates would have known about self-love, and here's the thing about self-love, self-love is not something that we're born knowing. Self-love has to be taught to us, okay? So that's why I will always encourage that it's so important for parents to teach your children about self-love. First, parents learn self-love for yourself, then parents teach your children because it's not taught in school. Uh, it might be taught by friends only if they've gone on a self-love journey. Like, I feel like it's our responsibility as parents to teach our children about self-love, okay? If these women would have known about self-love, if these women would have known their worth and value, they would never have become playmates. This documentary was so eye-opening regarding the darkness of being a Playboy Playmate about, like, all the rapes that Bill Cosby did like all the sodomies that happened, okay? Like all of the times that these women were taken advantage of and they didn't 
know that they had a voice to say no. And I was in that same situation with that client I was telling you about. I didn't know that I could say no. I thought I had to say yes. And people might think that's dumb. Of course you can say no. It's like, but no, because there are personalities like myself where we don't know that we have a choice to say no. Because we were never taught to say no. We were taught, we were brainwashed that we needed to conform, that we needed to say yes, that we needed to do what our elders told us or whatever it may be. Like we have to be able to talk that, no, we have a voice. Like, no, we can say no, no, we have autonomy over our own lives. And I just watched this documentary and it was not, I I didn't just watch it. I watched it when it was live and it was like still on TV. I don't know where you can watch it, but I encourage you to watch it. And that's just what I want to rave about. This documentary shines light on why self-love and self-worth and knowing your value is so important because a lot of the playmates that they interviewed said that they went to the Playboy Mansion to find either to find community because they thought that it was going to be um, the really famous one. You know how it was a girl's next door. It was like Bridget, Kendra, the other one. It was the other one who was like Hugh Hefner's main girl. She said like, well, she has Asperger's. And so she never felt like she fit in anywhere. She always wanted to have friends, but she had a hard time connecting with people. And so she thought, oh, I'm going to become a play a playmate. Because it's like a sorority. It's like a community of women who are going to be there to help you and surround you. Yeah, it's not like that at all. So you had the woman who was looking for community. You had the woman who was looking to be chosen like myself. The the woman who was dealing with rejection. The woman who was looking for love. The woman who was looking to be validated. Right? It's like everything, all of those things come from the inside. All of those things come from you. If if you can't give those things to yourself, like you've got to stop and you've got to figure out a way to learn how to love yourself. Because think, if those women would have known about self-love, they never would have put themselves in those in those situations. And I'm not saying, I'm not blaming them for the rape that happened to them. I'm not blaming them for the things that happened to them. But unknowingly and not on purpose, they put themselves in those situations to where that happened. Do you get what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that it's their fault. No, 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 no. But but I'm just saying that if they would have known better, they wouldn't have done. It's like learn from our mistakes. Like, listen, when an older person tells you, like, you got to listen. But uh, that's just try to I'll, I'll link the documentary if I can find it in the show notes. But like, watch it. it it's very disturbing it's definitely like rated R, like it's not for young people. Um, but it's so good. It's so good. And like, you guys want to know why Hugh Hefner started Playboy? It was because of rejection. And like, this is why you need to deal with your shit. Because, because you have to deal with it. So what happened was, is like in junior high or high school, he liked this girl and he asked this girl to a dance and she said no and she went with his friend. And from there, he got so upset that he got rejected by a woman. He created Playboy to make sure that no woman would ever reject him again and to make sure that he could control women. See? It's so effed up. <laughs> like, but that's what happens when you don't get your stuff together. Like, this is what happens. This is what happens. Like, because of that one woman rejecting him, he went and hurt all these other women. 
because of rejection. Self-love, the healing journey is so important. And I hope, I hope that this podcast helped. I hope that you learn to love yourself. I hope that you go on a self-love journey too. And I really hope that it changes your life. on this episode of A Conversation with Jenna. But the conversation doesn't have to end here. If you have thoughts and opinions on my thoughts and opinions, you can email me at aconversationwithjenna at gmail.com. I can't promise that I will respond to every email, but I would love to hear from you. Email me. I want us to connect. I want us to chat. Like, let's grow a community. Also, please rate and review my podcast on whatever platform you listen on. I would greatly appreciate it. Don't let the things you want make you forget the things you have. Thank you so much for listening, and I can't wait to talk with you next time. Bye.